Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 141, Dark Impulses. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I'm Tatiana, and I'm here with... Jessica. And May. And you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption at gmail.com, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, and of course, the actual podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Patreon for like $10 a month, 24 hours in advance, plus like a couple extra episodes. And by a couple, I mean like at least 12 extra episodes a year. With things like Mandalorian, The Boys, Upload, Witcher, One Division, Justice League, Godzilla, prop very soon Falcon Royal Soldier, and possibly Mortal Kombat, etc., etc., etc. Speaking of Winter Soldier, we're doing that next week, so please get your feedback in before 3 p.m. on April 30th. And you can find us to pay us at patreon.com slash dcdgumption. I guess we should specify like 3 p.m. like Eastern. Right, Eastern time. So 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And in other news, or really just in news news, we have Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark joining Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, and Kingsley Benadir in Marvel's Secret Invasion, one of the upcoming series for Disney+. Plus. Thoughts? Questions about this cast? How are we feeling? It's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what they're doing with it. I mean, I think I know what they're trying to do with it, but... I don't feel like there's enough establishment for a secret invasion yet. But of course, that will be. Is it a movie or a series? It's a series. And I'm sure that it'll take Captain Marvel 2 into consideration, right? It'll come after Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to that building it more because obviously nothing has done more work towards secret invasion than Captain Marvel 1. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure the same, the same will be true in 2. Yeah. My first thought was a little bit of the Spider Man. Olivia Coleman was cast. I'm like, oh my god, she's girl, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. I do love her, so I look forward to whatever she's doing. Amelia Clark, beautiful gowns. And I look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in other news, Dominic Purcell got super dramatic on Instagram about his announcement leaving the show as a series regular after season six, which made me realize I guess we're getting a season seven. Of Legends of Tomorrow. At first, he was like, it's the worst. You know, train the kids, the newcomers to like not, not trust. trust the studio. Exactly. They don't care about you, etc. No, it doesn't matter how much money they'll give me. I'm walking. And then he kept changing his, his statement until finally being like, LOL, JK, April Fools. What do you mean it's not the first of April? Um, I obviously love everyone at the studio and this was just a fun, loving thing. You did not make me write this. Exactly. Statement. I was not forced to retract my previous statement. It was such a weird statement, too. I don't even know. It's like he was ranting mm-hmm. on social media. And he didn't realize this thing was on. He was like, oh, yeah. oh man, Oh, dang. people can see this? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, yeah, I'm definitely like... Mm. You mean you can write me out even earlier than you were planning to? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, while he makes interesting, good points about obviously not trusting the studio system... Mm-hmm. Great for you, Dominic. Yes. But you lasted six seasons. Yes. Like, you right. should have lasted only like four. Exactly. So, so my, my <laughs> thought was like, oh my God, I got excited because does this mean he's leaving season six early? Nope. <laughs> nope. He's still here. He's still here. And that's all right. That's all right. You know, doing what he's got to do. But anyway, uh, outside of that, 
turns out that Dave Bautista has Filipino, no part Latino, <laughs> has uh, unsuccessfully demanded that DC execs cast him as Bane. So, um, I guess it's not happening. Although I think Zack Snyder did vouch for him, and he's like, "Well, you know what? Now I'm now I want to see it." Um. Yeah, I don't know why he felt the need to share that, but he did share it. So I, guess, I don't know if he thought and it's so funny sharing it would like get like a restore the Snyderverse and Bautista oh for the Bane or whatever. Yeah. You know, everyone wants a show now. Joe Manganiello wants to give me Deathstroke. Everyone's like being right. See, this really? is what I was. This is <laughs> this is what I was afraid of. This whole entitlement. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, with with Deathstroke, I guess they did have plans for something, but I don't know. But with with the Bane stuff, he's like they didn't, they weren't even making a Bane movie. He's like, you I know want what? I think anyway. Thought, I think he felt some kind of way because people were fan casting him, um, Green Lantern. That you know what that? I don't know what the character's name is, but he's like that pig looking orc. Oh yeah, Lantern. yeah. I don't know. I don't know the name of that Lantern either. But I know someone was like fan casting people, like fan casting him as, to play that character, and it got big enough that he noticed it. He's like, I don't know why everyone wants to play all these ugly dudes. Right, right. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden he's like, I don't want to play Bane. So I was like, okay, sir. I see you, but no. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, sorry about that, sir. <laughs> but moving on from him, uh, speaking of, about demanding things from Warner perspectives, although this one's potentially uh, more relevant, Ray Fisher called out Warner Media for their performative Black Lives Matter post after Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict. And rightfully so because they don't actually do much work in front of the scene, behind the scenes, any of the scenes. So now that everything is, not everything, but things have come out to light, you know, proving Ray Fisher right, I guess one of me, I just want to cover their ass. Yeah. It's not working. Exactly. (laughs) No one, no one believes it. No one believes it. (laughs) But um, Michael Keaton has been confirmed to reprise the role of Batman in the Flash movie. Which has finally started its first day of production. Yay. It is it is happening, or so they say. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they we'll take see that if photo. it's going to be in post production hell. But yeah. they fake they fake the moon landing. They can fake the flash movie. I'm just kidding. I know they didn't <laughs> fake the moon landing. Okay. <laughs> but but speaking of flash, we did get a sneak peek of Barry and Iris in Justice League World War, or Justice Society World War II. Justice Society World War II. Yes. Justice Society World War II, and guess what, y'all? Iris West is black in that, too! Iris West is black everywhere, except for the primary comics, and we're coming for that soon, too. So, yay! It's, because we knew before that her actress had been, her voice actress had been confirmed, as being a black woman, it's like, well, surely, if they are hiring a black woman for the voice, it must be a black woman in animation. And so we've been waiting for, like, pictures, and we get all these pictures of, you know, <laughs> the actual superheroes doing what they're supposed to, like, you know, what they need to be doing to, like, promote the show. The main story is, like, the superheroes. We got all these, like, photos of them. And so finally, three days before it's supposed to come out, we finally get a clip of of Iris and her being like confirmed black in the DCAU, which is fun. That's probably like one of two scenes that she has in the whole probably, film. Probably. I'm sure like this was in the beginning and then like the end is going to be like Barry like proposing to her like finally. Because <laughs> I don't, well, if you haven't seen the clip, it's IGN or I posted it to our Tumblr page. So if you want to check it out there, you can check it out. 
but basically Barry and Iris are going on a picnic date and Iris is a little bit upset because Barry's kind of like all over the place. The one thing they've been dating for a while and he hasn't really progressed their relationship. He's fast in a lot of things, but moving in a relationship is not one of them. And then, of course, it gets interrupted like all days with superheroes do. But it's really nice to see. And that's at least one guaranteed scene of her in the movie. Yeah. One of and two. I saw it on mute, and I was like, oh, she's angry with him. Yeah. I not hear what she said, but. And now you know. You know because now you know. Go to our Tumblr and watch it. Promoting <laughs> <laughs> our Tumblr. And then finally, Titans is on its way back with season three, even though we may have all forgotten it existed. And we have Tamarin royalty photos, family feud between Black Fire, Black, <laughs> and <laughs> Starfire. That's right, Starfire, Black Fire. I was like, Starfire, Black Fire from Game of Thrones. That can't be right. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> and like, hmm? um, photos of the actresses playing their mom, and she was like all dressed up in her royal um, Which we gear. Were previously debating whether this means the flashback to she must be dead. Or if she's just at the dinner table being like, ladies, please wait until after the fight. <laughs> uh, we don't know. We'll find out. Because the Flash episode 9 uh, description came out. Okay. It's called Timeless, and it premieres on May 11th. Barry seeks out a timeless Wells. After a devastating betrayal, oh my god, Barry turns to timeless Wells for help. Meanwhile, Iris leads King Citizen down a dangerous road in search of answers, and Cisco confides his biggest fear to Camilla. So he'll finally tell his girlfriend that his biggest fear is losing his best friend. Over the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah, Iris, Cisco, and Barry in the center, so we can move on. They have the A, B, and C plots. Nice. Love it. Love it. Okay. Are we... I was going to say, I was like, I've been waiting for the citizen to come back. I'm like, okay, are we going to do this now? <laughs> Hopefully. All right. And now, moving on to the episode proper, where May will take us through the joys, the not joys, the feedback, and the latest gumption of Batwoman, Supergirl, and Black Lightning. Take it away, May. May will be all over the place this week, because I have been all over the place this week. So, <laughs> we will start with Batwoman. Side A, Fast and Furious Gotham Drift slash Eminent, Eminent Domain. I cannot read. I cannot speak. but. Uh, the second one is Black Lightning, of course, but we'll start with Batwoman. Fast and Furious. With Batwoman and the Crows each hot on the trail of a false face society, their efforts collide and tensions escalate as Ryan goes undercover in place of Sophie, who blew her cover because of Batwoman. <laughs> um, so we see Sophie and Batwoman teaming up together to take on the false face society, while the Crows once again prove how useless they are. Um, what brought joy? I I really enjoyed this episode because I feel like finally, like this was Sophie's episode to shine. I feel like she dominated from beginning to end. She was strong. She was smart. She actually knew what she was talking about behind the wheel of the car, um, which was, you know, when she was like quizzing Ryan on, do you even know what blah, 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 blah. I'm like, go Sophie. All right. I can, you know, imagine that she drag raced in, in college or something on the weekends. Who knows? Um, and like, best of all, I think because... Season one, it was one of my peeves about the show is that Sophie only had one suit <laughs> and one hairstyle um, and they would not let her leave the crows um, 
to change her clothes. And so, but this time, so she's like undercover and doing different things. We get all these wardrobe changes in her hair. Um, cornrows, lovely cornrows. Although I do have some thoughts about the hair later. I really enjoyed seeing her in a different hairstyle. Um, she looked great. Um, just like her story in this episode in, gen- in general, I feel like she's definitely on the, like the character scale. She's definitely like lawful good. And that was on like full display. Um, I feel like she feels immensely like responsible for saving Angelique since, you know, she made all these promises to Ryan and she's trying to, you know, connect to Ryan in a way like, okay, let me help you. Let me do this the right way. And um, things just don't seem to be going her way as far as, you know, getting Angelique out and getting her out for good. Um, so she really feels like all this responsibility. And I feel like she went like above and beyond to get her back. And like, um, I think I said like a week or two ago on one of the episodes that it was a before the break, but um, like when Jordan needed help, Jordan went to Sophie because that's, that's, that's the person that you go to when you're looking for help, you go to Sophie. Um, and I feel like, you know, this is Sophie going above and beyond for, for people that she cares about or people that she feels responsible for. So I feel like this is a good display of um, her character and all the things that make her a good person. Um, I, I definitely sided with her in her argument with Ryan slash Batwoman for pulling her out of the drag race and ruining her cover. Um, because I feel like when Ryan was talking to Luke and um, they were coming up with their plan and he was like, are you going to loop in Sophie? She's like, no. And I thought nothing good is going to come of this. And lo and behold, nothing good came of it. So I was really upset for Sophie that her cover got blown. Um, but I liked when they decided to work, when she decided to work together with Ryan and she was like <laughs> introducing her to Luke and, you know, Brian and Luke had to pretend like they didn't know each other already. I thought that was really funny. Um, I also agree with Sophie again, like later on, I thought she was like right to trick Ryan and Luke and ditch them to go on her own once the tracker was in place. Because as far as she knows at that time, Ryan is still a civilian. So this is still like Sophie's like lawful good. Like she was bending the rules a lot for her. Just let Ryan like drag race the car um but you know and she even didn't want ryan to do that like once it got kind of heated and the crows were out on the lookout she's like i want you to stop and ryan was like you know Sophie's like ryan no and ryan was like ryan yes and, and went ahead and did it <laughs> <laughs> so you know i think it was from Sophie's perspective it was smart just not to tell her unless you know something else goes off that you know Sophie can't have to worry about Ryan and Angelique at the same time and worry about the crows. So I think it was, you know, I understood her perspective and um, not telling Ryan. Um, and then obviously it's a good thing that Ryan doesn't follow the rules because she came anyway and Sophie actually needed some help. So they kind of wound up on the same page by the end of it, um, even though it took some rough bumps and turns to get there. Um, but yeah, this is like the Sophie show and I loved it. Um, I also like, you know, again, at the end for Sophie, like figuring out that Ryan was Batwoman by inspecting Mary's car and finding the AI device that Ryan left in the car. Um, and I feel like it's a good thing because in the aftermath of, well, like the post episode interview, um, Megan was talking about how explaining more about, you know, it's a good thing that Sophie knows now because Sophie can help protect Ryan from the inside, which we saw at the end. Um, Agent Tavaroff found like the blood, her blood sample. 
And I was like, that is not good. But now I feel like more relieved knowing that Sophie can protect Ryan and stop him from finding out about her. Um, so that was great. It was a nice plot twist because there was like a lot of, I was really like scared for like two minutes when they found that blood sample. Like this is not, not going to be a good thing. Um, other stuff, <laughs> what else happened in this episode? I mean, the other, only other, um, plot line was Alice and Ocean, which, I mean, I was just surprised to see him again so soon. Um, I, I thought Enigma was funny that she was so bothered, uh, unbothered by the two of them like rolling around and fighting each other that she just like gave them their memories back so they would stop bothering her. But I mean, it happened. But for me, Sophie was just the episode. Enigma's so good. I also forgot that. Happened. <laughs> like, right, they back together. Yeah, I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Enigma erased your memory. Um, I love Sophie in this episode as well. I thought it was great that she finally got, you know, her time to shine. She got a lot of spotlights episode, and I loved the parallels and or contrasts of how she worked versus how Ryan worked. Um, and like sometimes they make a good team, and just like when Batwoman came in to save her, but then also sometimes, um, as usual, Sophie's ideas are in opposition to Ryan's. But this time, as uh. Jessica already so eloquently described it. We got to see that Sophie was right and see why she has a point that she is a smart, resourceful, and even selfless person in her dealings with Ryan and in her attempts to save Angelique. Um, I liked her want, like, being just as worried about doing the right thing and getting her back. And, like, I was almost surprised, but I guess it was, like, in a way, it's a parallel to when, um, Batwoman let, you know, the bad guys go in order to save Sophie. Sophie let the bad guys go to save Angelique, right? Presumably. A, because it's what Ryan would want. And then also because she just doesn't want Angelique to die. Um, poor Angelique has been through it enough times this week or this season. So anyway, um, I also, uh, loved that she found out that, uh, Ryan was that one by the end of the episode. And I liked how it was. I liked that it was just as mm, annoying new FBI crow man. I don't know what the hell he is. Tavaroff. Yeah. Yeah. Tavaroff. Yeah, as, as, he is as, an angry white man with a gun. That's what right. He is. Well, yeah. So <laughs> just as he found the blood, which we knew was going to be trouble, uh, Sophie found out that Ryan was that woman, so now she can hopefully protect her in the future. Plus, earlier that episode, we had that fun scene where Luke and Ryan are introduced to one another, and then she hears their voices clearly already previously introduced to each other. So she's like, oh, but anyway. <laughs> Um, so that was, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, also, I loved, I did like, um, when Alice was having the dream, vision, whatever, psychological experiment of Ocean, and then it became reality, right? Mm -hmm. And then she was like, this feels real. Is this real? <laughs> it's like, it's like your, your <laughs> therapy has just gone next level. And then it was real. And then, of course, poor Ocean is just so whipped that he's like, you know what? If you want to take me back after you literally murdered me, I am cool with that. Just promise me you will murder me again. And then Alice was like, I can't even promise that. And Ocean's like, you know what? I see that you're trying. And I think that's enough. <laughs> so <laughs> that was fun. Uh, also, Enigma just being like, you know what? I told Sophia I wouldn't do this, but this is ridiculous. Please just take the memories. Have at it. I don't care. See you guys later. Was great. Um, so yeah, overall, fun, enjoyable episode. And, uh, mostly loved the Sophie and Ryan plot line, but then also did enjoy the few minutes we got of Alice and Ocean. 
there you go. Excellent. Um, I obviously enjoyed the Sophie stuff too. I thought it was a great episode for her because we've been so deprived of Sophie. I was concerned for her. I was rooting for her. I wanted her to have all the things. And I especially liked the fact that when she was working with Batwoman, like they were teaming up together, but because we've seen her have many scenes with Batwoman before or they've interacted, it was nice to actually have her and Ryan team up, even though she Mm -hmm. found out that she was Batwoman at the end. And I thought that was a great way to sort of solidify their relationship, their friendship, and also lead into the whole Batwoman. You didn't tell me, why not? Stuff that we're going to get in the future. Um, And it was just nice to see Sophie getting something that was satisfying because even yeah. Jacob's Jacob's treatment of her at the Crows, it's like, no, you can't do this and blah, 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 blah. I'm pulling this agent in. And she just went out there and did it on her own. And I'm proud of her because she just seems like she's she keeps hitting dead ends at her job in a lot of ways. And this was a way to take back some of that control kind of that she's like why she is like the top agent mm-hmm. at the Crows. Exactly. Exactly. And her, you know, Gotham Drift was very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I wish that they would have Sophie, you know, whether it's changing her hairstyle or just having her change her clothes (laughs) from the crow's stuff would be nice. Because we saw, you know, how great she looked in this episode as well. And just like the different vibe she was giving off rather than just Sophie, the crow. Yeah. And I kind of want to know, like, if like all her car knowledge, did she study specifically for this mission all about cars or is it a hobby or because if she studied for it like she didn't know before but she did all oh this then she's, she's just a and, big brained right i know <laughs> that would be amazing oh yeah then of course ryan just going in like i can drive yeah i was like ryan come on <laughs> like yeah you just push the thingy and you do this he's like no <laughs> and then Luke being like yeah this is why we upgraded the batwoman she's like that's why <laughs> you can't drive <laughs> I also really loved, loved, excuse me, Luke and, and Ryan pretending they didn't know each other. That was hilarious. As soon as he showed up, he gave her a look. He's like, "What the, what the hell is this?" And she like mispronounced his name on purpose. She, she, yeah, she called him like Luther or something. <laughs> so I love that too, and like how Luke, how much Luke was involved in in the mission as well. And it just, it was just a really great, you know, fine kind of moving the plot forward and wanting to find the false face society, but also having like a little fun on the side and a lot of relationship building. And then with Alice and Ocean, I did not expect Ocean to show up. I don't know that that's not a like, but it's there. And um, I do like Enigma because I feel like she is a formidable foe, even though she, I think that she should have seen Alice eventually showing up at her place. Um, I think she handled it really well with just giving up on them <laughs> because that was like the ultimate revenge to Sophia too because you know she's like I have a new mission on the side I don't need to be dealing with this nonsense um, and also Alice dealing with the this was the episode right when she had like dreams of little Kate yeah in the car um, so that would like make her yeah, go away that was really yeah that was really interesting to just kind of getting into the psychology of what is going on there um that is all. Back to hating Jacob, but that's that's in another section. Moving <laughs> on to that section, what did you not like? <laughs> when is there an episode where I don't hate Jacob? Just once in a he only gets like one treat. He got once every like week. four episodes, and then he's just back to hating Jacob. Um, uh, well, I do have to 
say, backing up to um, the hair thing a little bit, I was uh, disappointed that the cornrows didn't last beyond, beyond Sophie's undercover mission because um, they just looked so good. And I was like, yes, filing something different. And then as soon as the mission was over and her cover was blown, it's just like back to the regular hairstyle. And the fan actually asked Megan about this on Twitter. It's like, oh, I'm so sad. Where did Cornrows go? And she was like, you know, basically said they were only four undercover. And once right. um, she was burned, then the braids were gone. But I feel like if she's already burned, why does it matter if she kept the hair a few more days or not? Um, those braids are super clean. They could have easily kept for two to three weeks. Um, and then I saw, I can't remember, I tried to look for the tweet and I couldn't find it. So I'm sorry, Twitter user. But um, someone did point out that um, they were kind of disappointed that, um, you know, like all the biased implications of giving Sophie a black hairstyle when she's doing crime or undercover doing criminal activities, but straight hair when she's in her quote unquote professional capacity. And as much as I love seeing her hair being styled differently, I kind of have to agree that it's a little bit problematic, um, especially the fact that the hairstyle disappears almost immediately um, once the mission is over. Because I just feel like, again, like what was she? She probably went to I, I'm probably sure that Sophie is maybe one of those um, one of my fellow women that black women, they can't braid their own hair, corner their own hair. So I'm sure she went to like her local African braid lady in Gotham and got them done. I don't really see her after a mission is over taking the time to undo all those braids and wash and condition her hair and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of was, you know, didn't make sense why they had to go. Um, and it just kind of subliminally reinforces a stereotype that straight slash white hair is professional or appropriate, but black hairstyles are not. Um, so, you know, as much as I love seeing it, I wish she could style her hair differently not having to do with criminal enterprise or undercover criminal activities or, you know, just differently together. It doesn't have to be, you know, that's the only time that she gets to style her hair differently. So I definitely agree with, with that part. Um, then Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. <sighs> oh, like I'm going to temper this because I know he is like tweaking. Like he is, addicted and now he's going through like major withdrawals so he's like tweaking tweaking but he did not need to yell at Sophie like that especially since the failed mission was not her fault and I actually like that um when she met Ryan at the bar afterwards to drink her feelings away she specifically said that it you know it was not my fault and it was Batman's fault and it was kind of like you know so re um asserting the truth that it wasn't her fault to do that and she knows that um, and then Jacob's just taking it out on her. And I feel like it was almost sinister in a way that he humiliated Sophie in front of another angry, violent, prone white man. Um, because before Sophie came in, they were like all agitated about blackface society and wanting to go out and like kill false face people to um, avenge crows that had been killed or something like that. So they were already like, hopped up on like masculine toxic toxic masculinity there we go <laughs> so when so <laughs> like what, what, what else was coming? so like masculine when sophie comes in <laughs> when sophie comes in and he's like yelling at her 
in front of this other angry white man and then gave that angry white man Sophie's job. It just was not, it was, it was demonic. <laughs> it was not, it was not great. Um, I feel like clearly his withdrawals are making him agitated, but is this really far off from how he is normally? Because I just remember like season one when he found out that Sophie was working with Batwoman or didn't see Batwoman the way he saw Batwoman and he had a tantrum and, you know, suspended her from the force. So, you know, one, it's him tweaking, but then is, you know, how does this just make him more of himself kind of thing? Uh, why does Sophie have to take this from a man that has not shown loyalty to her at all like that? That's why I always say, like, I hate Sophie defending Crow storylines because what have they done for her? Absolutely goddamn nothing. Um, so didn't like that. And then I already talked about, like, Tavaroff finding Ryan's blood because this is the last person that needs to come anywhere close to Vigilante, Batwoman, False Face, nobody. Like, he, he should stay far away <laughs> from all of that. So I was just re- really relieved. In Megan's interview, when she's saying that Sophie knowing means that she can protect Ryan from being exposed by that blood sample. And, um, may just to point out, she also said that it's not going to be like, why didn't you tell me kind of situation? Cause I think she's not going to address it directly for a while. Right. She's just going to continue to, you know, she'll be aware behind the scenes, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a conversation about it, which I think is fine. Um, and then on Alice's side, just she's doing her best to convince herself she's a sociopath. And that she doesn't care or have feelings. And I'm kind of tired about it. Um, <laughs> you know, you keep saying that you don't have feelings and clearly, clear, clearly you do. So come on. Um, and then no cape. Still don't sign a cape. <laughs> so all you cape stands out there, you are still waiting because she is not here yet. So. <laughs> Why does that sound like a joy to me? <laughs> It's, it's like no joy in the sense that I would like to know what is happening there, but it's, you know, Petty is still a little bit like, you know, for all, not for the um, Kate and Ryan stands, but just like Kate only people that are, you know, hoping that Kate being back would mean the end of Ryan. And clearly <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> but yeah, lack of updates on Kate. Like, I don't know why they introduced the storyline so early if we're not moving anywhere with it. I feel like they could have done this in a more uh, interesting way, probably. A more like, oh my god, shock and surprise way. But oh well. Um, also, no Mary in this episode. I think she was like mentioned one time. And that yeah, was it. It was a car. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a car. And I was like, okay. So, oh. more, no more episodes without Mary. That was a terrible plan. But, <laughs> Um, also, Luke just still doesn't do anything. <laughs> He's just there as, like, morals, moral tech support. Um, give Luke a storyline 2021. Uh, we already said everything about Jacob, but yes. Jacob sucks balls. He treated Sophie terribly, and he's never treated Sophie particularly well. So there was, like, there was that narrative in season one where it was like, oh, Sophie's another one of your favorite daughters, that is not me. But we never, ever saw that. And now we really, really don't see that. So there is absolutely no explanation for why Sophie would remain loyal to the crows. Why she was loyal in season one, why she would be now. Um, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to her interacting more with Ryan, et cetera. But I like what you said about her, um, not like confronting them directly, or whatever. This is not really a not joy, but I, up to now it has been a not joy that she's been so separate from Ryan, from Luke, from Mary, et cetera. But now it could be a joy because she has no reason to be like betrayed, right? 
How could mm-hmm. you not tell me? She doesn't know Ryan. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter, you know? I know so, we necessarily like each other at the moment. Exactly. So. <laughs> so hopefully this will be like an opportunity for her to, you know, begin to like Ryan because she's trying to keep her safe from Tabaroff man. Tabaroff also just, aside from what I just said, seems unnecessary and shady, and I already don't like him. Um, Angelique, someone free this woman, and also free Ryan from the shackles of her storyline. Please. Like, I would totally ship it and support it if it was building little by little back, you know, rebuilding the relationship, let them move forward, great. But instead it's like, they're like, okay, we love each other, and now this nonsense is going to happen for two or three episodes. And now we will love each other again. I'm just kidding. More nonsense. The same nonsense as before, but worse. Worse of the same nonsense. So um, I am already tired of it. And clearly they know how to do crazy relationships because they're doing it with Alice and Ocean. So I would like them to apply that <laughs> to Angelique and Ryan if they're moving forward with it. Or just let Ryan fly into the sober sunset. That would also be fine. Not Ryan. Angelique. You know what I'm saying. Let Ryan watch Angelique fly into that sunset. That would also be fine. Um, and then finally, Alice is just too off in her little corner, like all season long, which I understand because there's no Kate. You're laying on your mic. Oh. There's no Kate, and therefore there's no reason for Alice to be centralized in the storyline. But uh, she needs to be. Otherwise, why is she here? Yeah, I so agree they, with that. they could kill two birds with one stone by actually dealing with Alice and Jacob together. Uh, but they're not. So I would like something to be done with that. And that's all. It's so interesting because, like, Jacob's still there, so they could have her actually... Like, the last time they interacted was in the season premiere. And that's it. And it's like, like you said, you know, she's claiming to not have feelings, but she clearly has feelings, so not at least go confront your father about them. And maybe you two can both have therapy with Enigma. (laughs) <laughs> Deal with your feelings. Oh my god! Because you clearly have a lot of them. <laughs> because it's just not going anywhere, and I too am tired of of Alice sort Maybe of being she can, on like, the side. You know, if she does like family therapy for them, she can erase both of their memories of hating each other, <laughs> <laughs> and just like you know, now you have no reason to be by yourself or doing whatever. I support this. <laughs> I think it needs to happen. Um, because, yeah, like, it's been several episodes, and I don't think I've ever seen a villain who was this in denial of having feelings at all. Like, usually it's like, I'm angry, but I'm sad because this happened. And with Alice, it's like, no, 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 turn it off. Turn it all off. And it gets exhausting after a while because it's been five, six episodes, give or take. And I just want to be like, oh, just give her the lobotomy and let's go. <laughs> If she doesn't want to grow, then just do it. Yeah, and it's just a weird angle to take, or a weird direction, rather, in terms of where they want her to be. Like, I guess they want her to become an anti-hero or something, but it doesn't feel like they're making any progress to actually get there. So it becomes exhausting for us to watch Alice do, you know, circle around, beat around the bush over and over and over. So that is not joyful. Um, elsewhere, yeah, Jacob, I don't understand why he yelled either because he's just, it didn't make any sense. And it also, because they didn't really follow up on his previous storyline, it did feel like Jacob had just gone back to acting like Jacob. Um, so I did not like that. I didn't 
not like the introduction of a new crow because we haven't even dealt with any of the other crows a lot. We know that those other two guys were fired and we don't really have any news on, you know, what happened with the crow leak with regards to Luke's dad. Um, so I don't know. The crows are just there and we don't need to have another guy come in. Um, especially, I mean, he's just going to be like a one dimensional baddie to follow Batwoman around and stuff like that. But I don't like it. I don't like him. Bad vibes. Um, Mary, go ahead. No, I said prediction, so I'm going to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mary not being in the episode <clears throat> also did not spark joy. It took me like 20 minutes, and I'm just like, wait a second, because as soon as Luke and Ryan met up, I'm like, there's someone missing. <laughs> Where's Mary? <laughs> um, so I did miss her presence and her you know, vibrancy. But with Luke, I agree with Tati. Like, his story is not really going anywhere. And because the crow story isn't going anywhere and that's tied to his dad, it feels like they're just sitting there sitting at the dock. Yeah, apparently. And they're not even doing anything with that either. So it just feels like they could be building momentum and storylines just keep stopping to focus on other things. Um, And currently that's save Angelique for reasons. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. What is your uh, do we have feedback for predictions? We do have feedback. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, that one feedback from Shang saying, not me shipping Sophie and Ryan. Absolutely not me. <laughs> Love their dynamic. Sophie, Ryan, no. Ryan, Ryan, yes. Enemies to forced alliance detention because of re- reveal to friends to lovers. 500k words. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too into Al's storyline, but I suppose Enigma will be a bigger person at play in the second half of the season. Why does it feel like Enigma is the boss and Black Mask is her puppet? Mm. Her set of powers allows her to alter memories, right? I would agree with the theory of her brainwashing Black Mask. Also, Black Mask is so cringe. I'd rather him not be the end villain. And then finally, at least Sophie found out Ryan is that woman. I agree with all of this. Um, I love, I love this idea mic. that I love this idea that Enigma is the one that is. Um, brainwashing black mask sounds good to me um suara it finally happened the alice subplot dragged an episode of batwoman for me that i otherwise (laughs) enjoyed i really don't care about this character i know maybe because i didn't watch season one that that's why that is why that is why but a character (laughs) should be compelling regardless of background information i really hope we're done with this subplot soon and that alice will actually contribute to the main conflicts at hand Either as a compelling hero, villain, or anti-hero. And sorry, Ocean, but I don't care much about your character or romance with Alice, which honestly seems super basic to me, writing-wise. I legit laugh. I can't believe I forgot to mention them. Carry on. (laughs) I legit laughed when they started making out at the end. I did like Fast and the Furious' main plot. The Fast and the Furious main plot. I thought that was fun. The continuing So Ryan dynamic. Okay, So Ryan. There you go. That's, That's a name for them. Is amazing. Get together already. Sorry, Angelique. LOL. <laughs> also, LOL. Oh my God. So he knows. Very excited to see how this plays out going forward and whether she'll try to get Ryan to voluntarily reveal her identity or not. Despite a somewhat subpar episode, I remain very invested in this fantastic series. Well, I'm glad you do, Suara. And what he just said does point to something that we were talking about earlier, which is that Alice is far too decentralized at the moment. So we, yeah. of course, still care about her because 
she mattered a lot in season one and her feelings mattered a lot. But so far this season, they don't know how to re like reintroduce her properly without Kate there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for all you, um, Ryan and Sophie shippers, I am wondering what's going to happen with, cause we didn't mention this in the news. I guess it's not really news, but they did like an interview oh. slash photo shoot. No, no, no. See, I, I was looking for an article, but I think like, because the way Megan like wrote it made it sound like it was an article, but if I when I reread the tweet, it's for Gotham, whatever whatever oh, magazine. It's a fake, so it's, it's, a it's like fake a fake one. photo shoot. Like she okay. and Wallace were just having fun on set and took pictures. Oh, and she's like, oh look at this oh, magazine photo shoot thing. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I thought yeah. it was like gonna be like in. Universe but the thing. fact that she and Wallace are together on that. set taking right. pictures means right. suggests there might be something going on there. Yeah, it's not um, dead yet. Right, it's not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Okay, not yet dead. All right. Um, anything else we got here? <laughs> okay. Anita says, here's the deal about catching up on Batwoman during Flash Break. I also <laughs> just started streaming Gotham, which I completely missed because I was all about processing Sleepy Hollow back then. So between the two shows, Gotham is a really, really, really rough city, and I won't go near the place without Sophie and Ryan tracking me, okay? <laughs> Speaking of processing, Sophie knows now. I can't wait for her rage because Ryan busted up her operation and then it was messy that Luke had to pretend to be Sophie's contact who just met Ryan to be in Sophie's dock of operation. But I guess if people listened to the smart woman the first time, we'd have no show. So true. I don't see them as a thing because is it just me or is it weird for Sophie to be dating yet another Batwoman? Sorry, babes. Wrong name. Too soon. They are a couple of stunning women, though. <laughs> Super relieved that Angelique wasn't taken out, but at the same time, once false face learns to cook snake bite she may have to disappear in witness protection let's only hope <laughs> when, when false face learns to cook and i'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> as for the beat plot that's some rose rose the oh yeah that's rose. yeah that is a rose a blooming in a bat cave outside of its native sunny island in the mediterranean guess we should call it the city rose now <laughs> that's true it is not. Well, I think, I think Ryan did put it like near a window or something, yeah. and it, it it beads off of the blood of its victims. No, I'm just kidding. But it does like beat off of blood. So yeah, um, I guess sunlight and water is less required. <laughs> it's not in the desert no more, though. All right, and then we have Sonia. Uh, the street racing aspect of this episode was pretty cool and made for some awesome action-packed scenes. True. I wish that Sophie had given a heads up to that woman that she was undercover because how the heck was Ryan supposed to know Sophie was in that car and that her cover had just been blown. But why would she give a heads up to Batwoman and they're not working together? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Didn't like Sophie didn't like that Sophie had her hair in braids and she was undercover to be a villain. Like, come on, let's not villainize black women who have braids. Mm-hmm. Um it was so funny when Luke and Ryan had to pretend not to know each other, like it's Ryan, is it? And when Ryan called Luke Larry or whatever she called him <laughs> The scene where Ryan had to put the tracker in the container and Luke had to remotely drive the car reminded me of the scene in Black Panther where Shuri was remotely driving the car while T'Challa was fighting. Oh, I like that. I love that Alice figured out who Enigma was like Julia did, but yet again, Enigma escapes. Not before giving Alice and Ocean their memories of each other back. I will say this. Enigma has not been hiding very well. I guess it's because she can just erase those memories whenever she wants. So maybe she's been found out plenty, like a, a dozen times and we just don't even know. But I'm like, you're not really good at hiding your identity. Okay, <laughs> you know, I guess you don't need to be. Um, speaking of, the Alice Ocean scenes were great, and I love the delve into Alice's psyche with young Kate and the realization that she pushes everyone away. I'm glad someone else likes them. Let's be friends. 
poor Angelique. I can't believe Black Mask is that much of a villain that he would try and force a girl who is sober and doesn't want to use drugs anymore to test this product. Like, what the fuck? Don't you have goons for that? <laughs> or like better that's yet, like all like drug dealers, though, right? right? In, in like, I cinema. will make you a drug yeah. dealer too. That's how you get them hooked, and that's then true. they can never leave. Exactly. You want more clients, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or better yet, test it on Jacob, who is already addicted. If you accidentally kill him, we're fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie knows Ryan is that woman. Can't wait to do the fallout. We are. We cannot either. Yay! All right, I'm done with feedback. Excellent. <laughs> predictions. I know Jessica has one. Predictions. Yeah. Predictions. Um, I was just thinking because when you were talking about like Tavaroff and how he's like unnecessary, I'm think. Oh, I'm hopeful that it will give Sophie more to do because now she has like an active antagonist inside the crows. That's not Jacob because Jacob's just like in La La Land pretty much. <laughs> true. True. But I think once, you know, because I think Sophie's going to first, she's going to mess up the blood sample. So it's not good. But then I doubt Tavaroff will back off on trying to find out who Batwoman is. So that will give Sophie something extra to do to protect Ryan. And pro- I think it's because I don't think that she'll have that conversation with Ryan um, directly. But if Ryan keeps doing like reckless things, like Sophie could be like, why would you do this? This man is after you and trying to like hint at her not to do the thing. And so he's like, and Ryan's like, I'm still going to do the thing. But yeah, so I think that could be hopefully something good for Sophie, him being in here as annoying as he probably will be. <laughs> yes. Hopefully he'll, he'll push her storyline in direction that we care about and enjoy. Uh, my prediction was just going to be that I think that, they brought it up again like you're not gonna kill me for kate again because kate is dead right uh because that's gonna happen again obviously she'll pick ocean this time because she'll be like that's not kate and then it will be kate and then she'll be like hmm and that could be awkward <laughs> for her and kate but there you that's go interesting. I, think that's I like that happen again. i hope that happens because that's interesting <laughs> drama <laughs> <laughs> moving into black lightning which I unfortunately did not get to see. I saw like 10 minutes, but I will tell you about those, those 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the recap is just the FBI plays Jeff- pays Jefferson a visit because they suspect him for um, stealing money from the high school. Dun, dun, dun. Why is the FBI involved? No. Shady, yeah. shady business. Meanwhile, Anissa surprises Grace with a surprise, surprise, wedding get together Shower. at her family's house yes Aww. celebration which is very sweet um and of course jennifer is still dealing with her out of body experience <laughs> what brought joy i guess i'll go first i felt great joy at thunder grace returning home to a surprise party from the family i loved how they were all like welcome to the family like six times it was super sweet and of course it was uh, rudely interrupted way too quickly but for a brief moment, everyone was happy, and everyone felt joy, and they shared that joy with me. But even in that little joyful moment, uh, we did see like that little brief uh, Jefferson and Jen interaction, which then Lynn commented on later, and she's like, "Ah, oh, it feels like you guys are, you know, finally connecting again. Like that's your daughter. You have to accept it." Um, so I'm glad that we're moving forward on that front, and we're actually getting Jefferson and Jen scenes. I even had there was like. I had a scene later where, again, they were like, it was like, oh, awkward. And yet at the same mm-hmm. time, 
it felt like they were like maybe coming together. Like when she called him daddy, and he's like, "You haven't called me that in years," and she's like, Mah. "Yeah." <laughs> so again, <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, fine. You made it weird. Sorry about that. <laughs> so yeah, so I really enjoyed the family stuff that we got this episode. It feels like maybe we're getting back on the right foot. Like even uh, why well, I can't remember people's names. Uh, Jefferson apologizing to Lynn about their fight from the previous episode, right? And about him, like, although the way he did it was a little bit dismissive, like, I didn't mean to be, like, you know, trying to interrupt your sobriety. I hope you didn't take it like that. But, like, you clearly were, but okay. But it's good that he apologized and that she, you know, she was like, you know what? Thank you for that apology. And she went and got Gamby to do it instead. So she was following through on, like, she's like, I'm not going to compromise my sobriety. I like that she went to Gamby. I like that this means that Gamby, you know, has some powers for however long that lasts. And it's really fun and interesting that that's nullifying the Pierce's powers, or just anyone's powers, but this is different Pierce's here, because his entire life is built around, like, emphasizing their powers. <laughs> so now he is also able to nullify them. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, also... I um I liked I really enjoyed the storyline of Jen adjusting to her new face and to being JJ. Um I like that she has Grace on her side. She's got talks to the Nissa still. He sees on her side at school as well. And that cute boy who stood up for her dad. I was like, oh, what's going on Did here? You hear his name because I didn't hear his name at all. Cute boy stood up for her dad. That's I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Even I think that she brought him up afterwards, and then it was like, oh, you have a crush. On and it's just like boy at school. Boy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no name, just vibes. He does exactly. He doesn't seem like he's gonna be relevant, but it was cute for a moment there. I like. I just like this idea of uh, her having to play a relative of the Pierces, like you know, just like I'm just this random cousin. It'll be interesting um, for the future. And yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy this new gen. I, of course, we all miss China. We love China, but new gen is great too. Yay! Also, it was nice to see Khalil. Um, helping out, doing his part. I, I blanked out at the scene. Like, I don't remember why TC called him, but I was like, TC knew where he was? What's happening? I think TC was trying to figure out, um, about the embezzlement thing because all uh-huh. of the, when he hacked the system, yeah. all of that was like clean. There's no dirtiness involved. And so he's trying to get Clil's help on how Tobias smuggles money. Yeah, exactly. And Clil's like, I got my ways. I'll help. Which is totally great. I'm glad that he's actually on the show now after seeing his name there for six weeks. Seven episodes. <laughs> not showing up at all until his backdoor pilot. So that's good. Um, yeah. And that's about it. It was a good episode overall. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed Thunder Grace finally telling his family they got married. And I, I was presently surprised. I was like, Grace, I was surprised that they were having a party. Um, because I was expecting you know, Anissa and Grace to tell them and they'd be like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't blah, 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 blah. I, th- I was expecting it to be like a scene, but it, it, turned, it turned into like a party. So that was kind of cool. Um, and it's just nice because it just kind of reinforces that they all um, welcome Grace into the family and um, respect her um, as the kind of partner that she is to Anissa. I love Grace and JJ's bond. Um, and I, I remember we got in Anon um a couple weeks ago that they were like it doesn't really does not really seem realistic that jen would be just okay with her new face and an episode and i was like well yeah i get that but i mean there's only so many people that can spiral and jefferson was like already spiraling and i assume <laughs> that with um 
you know, they're trying to like balance it's a new face versus not making the new actress feel bad about being in in, in the role. But, um, you know, through this episode, we see that it's not like a one and done. So I hope hopefully that Anon feels better about the storyline because she's still trying to adjust to her new face and her new life and what it means to go back to school looking different and no one knowing who you are um, and that kind of thing. Um, so I like her support squad. She has TC um, with her at school. I like I thought it was really cute that he came to pick her up to go to school together um, and kind of like, you know, show show her around again at Garfield High. I thought it was hilarious when she did meet Cute Boy and he was like, yeah, man, make I show you around. She's like, oh my God, thank you. I've literally been lost like all day. And TC's in the background like, what am I? Excuse me. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. But I also, um, she has TC at school, but she has Grace at home. I like that um, JJ went to visit Grace without Anissa there like she went specifically for the purpose of talking to Grace and so I liked seeing them get to bond and Grace to be like you know I'm a shapeshifter so I can kind of tell body language what's going on um them kind of talking and having their own relationship outside of Anissa um I think is really cool and really special and I like that a lot um I look I low-key wanted to ship TC and JJ, mm. just because I think they're super cute, but I've already been burned by the Brandon debacle of last season. So, like, fool me once, like Lightning Riders, fool me once, can't get fooled again. Um, so I do like their just friendship. Um, and then I, it was also reminded me later when TC did call to Khalil that, yeah, TC ships Khalil, uh, <laughs> Khalil and Jen. So, um, it was nice to see just Khalil. In the episode, because I, I actually thought, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought, like, you know, we get his backdoor pilot and then he, like, disappears again. Because he hasn't been here for, like, episodes. So, him showing up and then him insinuating that he's coming back to Freeland um, was a really nice, interesting plot twist. Um, yeah. And, you know, also, I guess Jen and, and her dad reconnecting. Um, I, I thought they had a nice conversation about generational wealth and Jefferson kind of getting to explain like why he's so upset about um, his father's house being repossessed, I guess, by the government under eminent domain, even though they haven't lived there. And I don't know how long. And because and you get to see both sides of it from Jen slash JJ's perspective. It's not, I mean, and this is not, that's not in this style, probably won't be her style. You know, this house is just going to be sitting here. We haven't had anybody living in it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. What's what's the um, issue with getting some money for it and doing something else? And then you have Jefferson's point of view of, you know, trying to build generational wealth, and especially for black families or other um, families of color that are not blessed with white privilege and the system that's designed to um, make it hard for us to build wealth, generational wealth like that. Jefferson, you know, his father had this house. Father, right. he didn't pass it on because he was murdered. But <laughs> Jefferson is like <laughs> taking, on, <laughs> taking on like this piece of property. It's like real estate. Um, owning land is something that has been, you know, the old traditional way of viewing, viewing like wealth and amassing assets. Owning land is a big part of that. And he wanted to be able to pass that down. 
Um, so it was a, an interesting conversation between um, the two of them on both sides of the generation about the um, concept of generational wealth. So I thought that was interesting. Indeed. Um, of the first 10 minutes I saw, <clears throat> I did. <laughs> I also really liked Thunder Grace. They were really cute. I the the whole family getting together finally, announcing that they were married to them was like really nice. It was just a nice family moment. Everyone was in the same room sharing scenes with each other. <laughs> and you know, I feel like Jeff is still he's he's the audience basically. It's like why does Jennifer have a new face? <laughs> so he's still sort of getting over that. Um. But so is Jen. And I like that they're continuing that plot thread. Um, yeah, I like what I'm hearing, though, about the episode. So I am excited to finish it. <laughs> Wait till you hear it, not Joyce. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what did not spark joy? <laughs> um, I was going to talk about this, you know, already in the not sparking joys. But Jessica did bring it up in the joys, which is I did think that the conversation was really interesting about generational wealth versus like imminent domain or whatever you call it. Um but yes <laughs> um so i did i did like that but i did not like that tobias is just too smart for his own good and for my enjoyment um and so now jefferson is like losing out on the black lightning front and on the jefferson front um so it was really upsetting to not just see the city turning against him or like the school turning against him you know when he had just reclaimed his spot as principal or you know like as the man who helped save the youth of freeland and now that's being called into question with the embezzlement but then his house was taken away um which is just already pointed out was like a symbol to him of his father having you know amassed the ability to get a house and then him be able to pass it down to his kids um so yeah that was really upsetting um and yes i think it's a good plot like i think it gives him something more to fight for so like it's gonna be a good story but it just hurts my feelings and so i don't like it um also the opening the opening scene um you know when the beautiful family party was interrupted by the swat team was also very upsetting uh and then he just like let them in and i was like very nervous but thankfully nothing happened but still i was very i was very concerned in that scene also, yes, I feel bad for Lauren. I feel like Gamby could just have a semi-nice life um, with Lauren, maybe. Um, and maybe set her down a different path, also, if he wasn't being shady about it. And also, you know, his entire life was devoted to Pierce's, which is a great reversal of what is usually the black best friend, right? Now we have the white best friend, so that's fine. <laughs> but... <laughs> But if I am like, okay, Gamby, can you do something else now? I think the Pierce's are okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That he, he, I don't think it doesn't seem like I don't remember when the last time that he and Lauren had a relationship or whatever if it was before he adopted Jefferson or after but it just he's been like alone for like over right. 20 years you know and he doesn't want to be great <laughs> yeah I do feel exactly. I, I feel bad for Lauren because she's genuinely like feeling him and feeling like the relationship and I don't think it's going to end well once he gets all said and done because he's sabotaging her work, Loki. Um, so I think I think she'll definitely be hurt by that when she finds out. Um, and I also agree. Like I usually don't. I usually like Tobias being evil, but I just can't stand Jefferson taking like multiple L's back, back, back. Um, and 
I feel like, well, one, I don't like the teardown of his entire character and legacy with the embezzlement charges against Garfield High, and then also forcing him to give up his father's house under the guise of, like, philanthropy and building a hospital. Isn't this great? Why wouldn't you want to sell your house to me? Kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, so he's getting hit on multiple fronts. And then, um, other than being petty with Jefferson, I still don't know exactly what Tobias's end game is at the moment. I don't know what he's trying to do with the hospital. I don't know what he's trying to, you know, obviously he wants to be mayor of the city just because he's corrupt and wants to gain more power, which is fine. But this whole backplot of Lynn is falling into my trap and she doesn't even know. And I'm like, well, does she know? Because like her and Jefferson already had this conversation of we need to figure out why Val is there. And so like who is actually one step ahead of the other on this part? I don't even know what Spice trying to do. So maybe Lynn is still, maybe they sent Val specifically for Lynn to get curious about her and blah, 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 blah. I don't know how much Tobias knows about Lynn's meta booster experiments. Um, so if he knows, and maybe he sent her there on purpose. If he doesn't know, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe she is ahead of the game because she knows that Val's a meta. So it's just like unclear. Um, so he's just doing all this like ha mustache twirling and no plan that we can speak of. Um, I don't know, like, is he planning on doing, like, a second generation of the Greenlight Project? Because um, we had that scene where Anissa, we saw Anissa's work bay, which hadn't seen since he upset me with his debut. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that, uh, the lady, the pregnant lady, and he's like, oh, yeah, we can cure this. And she got mad at him. I was like, oh, this is different. And it turns out it's like, we can't do that overnight. And he's like, well, yeah, this, this company, Monavisa, was like, just send him over there and we can fix it. Um, but I also feel like Monavisa is um, Tobias's like shell company. So what are they really doing with this pregnant lady and her child? Um, we don't really know anything about that. So it just feels kind of too vague at the moment. Um, and then the SWAT team, the scene, that scene I definitely just, agree that it was unsettling and i feel like black lightning because it's been over a combination of episodes black lightning is really like bordering on the line of like trauma porn this season with all of um the black lives matter dramatic recreations that they've been doing and the swat team it's just a lot it's too much and i don't like it Kind of reminds me like Lena Waithe in um, that uh, Amazon right. series, which I I have not watched and I don't really oh, plan on watching. But oh, it just it feels like and I'm like okay, so no. Yeah, yeah. Cammy <laughs> and like, I watched the first the couple episodes that... together, but oh, after that, like I after I read what happens later on, I was like I definitely or what you find out happened, I was like nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Do we have any feedback? We do have feedback. That's right. I guess you don't have any dislikes because <laughs> yeah, I probably dislike all dislikes. So you dislike. know. <laughs> all right. Um, let me see here. Maybe I lied. No, no. Yeah, we Sora does feedback. Black Lightning was overall great this week. I feel like the show is finally back in its groove. This episode showcases core strength. The family dynamic is so crucial to the series. Yes, and I wish we had more of it in previous seasons. Laura. Karyuki continues to be fantastic as Jen, capturing all her mannerisms and making the character her own. 
I love Jen's friendship with Grace. They're so good together. I wish we had more of this dynamic in earlier seasons as well. I found the writing and the plotline much more compelling than it's been in a while, frankly. Again, keeping the show grounded on issues that Freeland and the Pierce's face is its strength. No brainwashed bad boys, no Eastern European country threatening to invade. Just this, please. Also, such good Thunder Grace content, both at home and out in the field. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Reminds me, I forgot to mention my joys. I really did like them taking Ishmael? down Ishmael together. Yeah, I, yeah, that I, was I remember that, too. I had even written it down, and then I just didn't say it. But, yeah, Grace transforming into her leopard form to stop him was lovely. Okay. Anyway. I hope they appear frequently in the Painkiller spinoff. Overall, I'm very satisfied with this episode, which thankfully had no linen Jefferson fights, and I'm praying it stays that way. Exactly. Um, I think that's all our feedback. So, thank you, Sara. Wonderful. Do you have any predictions? I mean, I kind of said mine already, that I feel like Tobias is trying to like restart the Greenlight Project and make oh, yeah. his own generation of baby metas. I agree with that. I don't really have a prediction other than, you know, having losing losing the Jefferson side is going to bring back Black Lightning and Full Force. I mean, I think that's. I wonder if Koyo coming back will lead to Jennifer realizing he is in Akashic Valley. I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure if he's coming back, that they'll run into each other. Mm-hmm. At some point, and he obviously he's not going to recognize her because no one told him that she looks different. Right, so that, that'll true. be interesting. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> All right, moving into side B. Who are you going to call? Phantom Busters. Supergirl <laughs> finds a way home. Supergirl finds an opportunity to escape the Phantom Zone, but it comes with some dangerous strings attached, including a gasp, betrayal, and a possible death. Meanwhile, Lena joins the Super Friends on a mission, but finds she disagrees with their plan of action against the Phantoms and wonders if she's truly ready to be a part of the team. Dun dun dun. What broad joy? <laughs> Brainy eating his feelings was <laughs> super <laughs> relatable. Because <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, when they got back from the coffee shop after their failed Phantom capture or whatever, and he's just like randomly has this big box of donuts. Like, where the hell did he get donuts from? And he's just like eating a whole box of donuts like by himself. Um, so I thought that was really funny. And he was like, "Do you, you want to talk about something?" He's like, "No, I'm totally fine." <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I like that. I thought he was just like hilarious. Um, and I, I saw on Twitter someone was put up like parallels. Like, I don't remember what the episode was about, but. Caro and she was kind of mopey and she was also eating out of her own box of donuts um so just i guess that that is what the writers think people do when they get <laughs> depressed in their feelings <laughs> um i i liked alex telling lena i don't like a lot of the stuff leading up to it um which i'll talk about later but i did like alex telling lena that she had to forgive herself that the, their final scene um and that she is worthy of being a super friend and that Lena should stop being like so hard on herself. Um, I thought that was really sweet. And I think that Lena needed to hear that because I don't think Lena gets a lot of positive things in her life or hasn't um, just, you know, growing up as a Luther um, and having like all of these betrayals and taking them on so personally um, and feeling like she has to work so much harder to um, outstrip like the Luther name 
Um, it's like a, something that's been like weighing her down. She's like trying to work hard to to minimize the the negative impact of the Luther name that it's kind of making her not have that much self-worth. So I thought that conversation with Alex was really important for her to hear and for her to hear that she's accepted by the super friends. Yeah, this is also like her first official super friend team mission um, that she kind of stumbled through. So she's like, oh, crap, I'm not as selfless as you guys. I guess I suck. <laughs> and Alex was just like, calm down. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like that uh, for Lena. I knew Nixley was full of shit. I should have, like, stuck to my guns last week when we were talking about it. I was like, she, she seems kind of <laughs> sketchy. We <laughs> wanted to believe. <laughs> but I was like, you know, this it's a nice conversation. I don't trust her. Um, but I guess she's okay. She was full of shit. Um, <laughs> it brought me great joy to be right, I guess. <laughs> She said she tried to kill Kara's dad and um, try to convince, like, Kara to leave because of some weird, like, I hate my dad club um, bond that she was, like, projecting onto Kara. But, I mean, I have to imagine she broke his ankle because he was just so depressing. <laughs> he, he was so depressing to be around. He was complaining <laughs> about everything. We can't do it, Kara. I don't want to go, Kara. And she's probably just, like, got tired of it. I would get tired of that. That's a, that's a lot. You're bringing me down, man. Um, because <laughs> I I feel like that has to be the real reason because otherwise the reason that she gave would be stupid to sabotage yourself right at the finish line like that like <laughs> it didn't really make any sense what she said her reason was and why she did it at the point in time that she did it so I'm just like you know it's okay just say he was depressing and being a Debbie Downer it's <laughs> I will believe you um let's see what else did I like I kind of like that the plan failed like I like that Car almost got to the Agapit but then something happened and it failed um, just because it kind of goes you know the the week before when Super Friends almost got her out and then that failed and then there's like these almost get there because it just kind of um, gives it more excuse me it gives it more kind of an action type feel um this they're hitting like this escape the phantom zone plot from like multiple angles um because it gives melissa more to do and it, it doesn't feel so much like cars just like wasting time in the in this plot until melissa can like catch up to filming with the rain with the main cast in that storyline um it doesn't feel like she's waiting to rejoin the plot she's actively doing something in her own plot um so i, I like how that's playing out um and it's just not a one and done kind of situation. They have to keep trying. And the, if you first, you don't succeed, try, try again, that kind of thing. So I like her plot um, from the Phantom Zone side. And I also like that she's not waiting around and like wallowing in despair like her father. <laughs> and she's not like, <laughs> she's not like depressed and mopey like literally everyone else in the other um other side of the phantom zone um they're all up in their feelings but car just like action we have a plan let's go we'll try something else so that's all cool um i like nia getting to have screen time <laughs> and relevance to the plot um i like that she had more to do in this episode as far as um you know helping alex get to the the chrysalis at the end um all of these midvale dreams that she's having um popping up in the in the middle of the episode there's like dropping little hints that it's um, 
going to be relevant and setting up for the next episode. Um, like the conversation that she had with Brainy about, you know, it's okay to, you know, you took out your inhibitors and now you're having like all the feelings and it's okay to like try and process through them. But eating them is not a good way to do that because <laughs> eating a donut, once you're done with the donut, you're still going to feel the way you feel kind of thing. Um, so I like Mia. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there was a lot to like in this episode. I especially like Alex and Lena working together to build the phantom locator thingamajig and the forgive yourself aspect of their conversation. I liked how Alex affirmed Lena's right to be at the tower because she had to go on for a second. I really thought she was going to be like, well, I've entered the tower and now I am exiting the tower. (laughs) But thankfully, Alex was like, no, stay. We have different perspectives and we help each other grow. And this is what Kara would want. And I was like, yes, I agree. Yay, Lena. Um, I also like that Nina got to shine, got, got her shine after not even being in the last episode. She got to be heroic. Her dreams were relevant once again. They connected us to Midvale, which is always a fun location. And now we're going to get some like time travel memories, whatever out of it. Um, which is great. Uh, and also that she's vital in the next step of the saving Kara process. Also, her and Brainy's little, you know, eating your feelings uh, section was fun and cute, I guess. And, you know, I don't know that I eat my feelings, but I do eat too many donuts. <laughs> so I'll try to be like Nia and stop. <laughs> Just be like, okay, she doesn't like it when Brainy does it. I guess she won't like it when I do it either. Um, so, yeah. Also, yes, the Nixley twist was a good one. It was very well played by both actresses, even though I wanted her to be great. I accepted that she did not want to be. And also I thought that Kara handled it really well. Plus, it was super shady when the dad was like, oh, I've been attacked. I was like, this is really weird. Why was he attacked off screen? Why didn't we see the attack? Did they not have any money? But then it was like, oh, it's because we didn't see it because it was Nixley. Um, and I thought it was a really nice parallel. Uh, with Alex sacrificing an easy car rescue for the sake of National City, right? And then Kara sacrificing an easy exit in order to save National City and presumably the world at large from Nixley. So that was really great. It's nice seeing Kara no, being no, heroic. I wonder about her dad. Was her dad really crazy or is Nixley just like... <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I also um, have really been enjoying Kara shining on her own in the Phantom Zone, while her influence is still felt throughout the National City characters and how they're interacting with everyone and everything. And that is all I have to say. Beautiful. <laughs> I also like many things. I do like I was I was mad that Nixley was a villain, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, she was she is a good character, so I will continue to see where she's going but i do like like you said if Kara she goes is, anywhere <laughs> that's true after what happened um i do like that Kara is you know like this hopeful continues to be this hopeful person because that's what she, who she always has been and you know she's like the opposite of her father <laughs> in that she's like i mean to be fair he has been there for decades and he's like well <laughs> i can't get out so i might as well just sit here <laughs> 
but yeah, now that she like she is the renewed hope. So, you know, she her making him believe that, yes, they can get out. There has to be a way they can't live here forever was very nice. And exactly who, you know, he raised her to be is not happy, but <laughs> but optimistic um, instead of sitting down and kind of giving up. So all of that was great. And just like the tension between them. Nixley's turn on her in that one scene and Kara's like, oh, you were my friend. We were supposed to be great friends. And I just feel like she sort of got, maybe she'll be mad at herself later because she, she maybe she's still processing what happened with Lena and this is like another betrayal <laughs> of friendship. Um, so all that was really interesting character stuff. And on the Earth side, I really liked the fact that Brady continues to feel things, especially now that his inhibitors are no longer in place. And the fact that, you know, well, I eat my feelings. Sometimes I order ice cream, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so I felt that. And it was really nice to see his more human side in that sense and kind of seeing how all of this has been affecting him. Cause we saw last week how he broke down, with regards to his hatred for Lex and also missing Kara. And this, you know, episode was also like, oh, well, we can't find Kara. This mission is so stressful. I will sit here and do what humans do. <laughs> so all of that was great. And of course, seeing Nia, because she was noticeably absent last week. I guess she got back from her journalism retreat. conference retreat early. <laughs> um, and just seeing, getting to see her have these visions like her utilizing her powers being frustrated with the fact that she doesn't have anyone to talk to about them like her mom's gone no one's there to teach her and it's you know it was, felt like an honest frustration for her to have um but of course her and brainy being there for each other was really lovely and lena feeling like she doesn't really belong because you know now she's she's left her home away from home which is uh luther core She's abandoned that because she no longer wants to deal with Lex. So good for her. But also, like, who is she now? And where does mm -hmm. she fit in? So it was nice that she, yeah, she came into this group and she saw everything that they could do and felt less than. And the fact that, you know, Alex was there to be her cheerleader. And it's like, no, you are amazing. The fact that they highlighted her perspectives being different from the group as being an asset rather than a weakness was mm -hmm. excellent. Um, Someone because in a diversity inclusion <laughs> seminar. <laughs> all your differences make for interesting conversations and you can forge a way forward because you don't all agree on the same thing you know in this case it's not something detrimental <laughs> um so all of that was really great and i think that was really good character development for her in particular because she's had a rough time the last few episodes and feeling guilty about car leaving and that whole debate about like her losing her dna signature and the message completely if she were to change the i guess she wants to use the q waves on it so all of that was great to kind of get into what it was she was feeling in that moment um yeah those were the big thing i'm trying to remember something else no the rest of the stuff will be in my dislikes what did not bring joy to you ladies um, um okay <laughs> I Alex is just getting on my nerves. Um rightly or wrongly she is. Um I didn't like her being willing to risk Magan's soul and the entire population of National City to get Kara back. 
um, you know, when that whole thing, because I think the situation with Magan's soul was still, um, it was connected to like the prime. So either she could like sniff out Kara in the Phantom Zone or she could find the chrysalis egg and free her soul plus the rest of the souls that had been taken across National City. And I was like, so <laughs> let's, or it was going to like hurt McGann to like try and, and go after both at the same time or whatever. And Alex was like, okay, but we can go after Kara. And John had to tell her, like, Kara wouldn't want that. Kara wouldn't want us to sacrifice or risk the population of the city just to get her back. Um, and then she and, and Lena came up with their side plan to do it anyway or come up with, like, a different way that wouldn't involve Magan. So that's like, okay, we have, like, a solution. Um, but just the fact that she was willing to risk that in the beginning, I didn't like that. And then I felt like it made it even worse that Alex had made the same speech to Lena later about sacrificing Garda to save a thousand people. Um, Because I'm like, well, we just had this conversation earlier (laughs) in the episode and you didn't want to hear it then. So I don't know why we're having it again now. I get it from Lena's perspective and I get it from Lena's perspective of her guilt. Um, And like, I can do this like one thing, you know, she's on, on a list of, 10,000 sins of Lena Luther. She's trying to check one thing off the list is get Kara out of the Phantom Zone. And, you know, not really there's a chance to do that. And, you know, you're telling me that I can't. So I get it from Lena's perspective and why she would want to risk it after she worked so hard to build a thing specifically for Kara to have to be told to give it up. But I just feel like it was just kind of rich coming from Alex. Like, we have to think of the greater good, Lena, when... Alex wasn't trying to do that before, which maybe maybe that was her, you know, lesson to learn over the course of the episode. But it didn't really seem like a lesson that she learned. It just seemed like she was like preaching to Lena, something that someone had already preached to her. And I don't know that she actually learned that lesson in the first place. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I realize I'm being hard on Alex, but I also feel like she's the most like codependent on Kara. Like, of the super friends and then she's even going like building off of the week before when she's just like depressed i can't breathe um what's that song like i can't live if living, living is without, without you, you. <laughs> 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 and i'm like it's, it's not that serious it's, you know um so yeah I, I feel like she's super codependent here and it's kind of a detriment to alex in the writing um, it's understandable that all of them are going through their own emotions, but I feel like, you know, is there no one that can come up off the JV bench of optimism and <laughs> and step into Kara's shoes for a minute? Because it just seems like everybody is, like, depressed and hope is just, like, non-existent when Kara's gone, um, which shouldn't be the case. Like, no one should be that codependent on one person. Like, Kara is obviously, like, a symbol and... um a shining example of what to look up to but I feel like she should not be like the only source of hope within the group and there should be other people that can bring out the optimism and channel her when she's not there um and I don't know if that's part of it but I overall feel like the episodes I feel like they drag even though there's some good stuff happening in them and I I, I don't know if it's that codependent I can't live without Kara you know, oppressiveness that's dragging the episode. I don't know what it is, but I feel like they drag a little bit. Um, I feel like the anchor in the Phantom Zone, 
the anchor exploding with Kara's dad still presumably inside. I don't I don't really care about Nixley, but the fact that her dad was still there, she didn't even get a chance to go back and save him and get him out of the building. I felt really bad for Kara. Um, we didn't we only got like a shot of her face watching the thing go up in flames. Um, so we don't really know if she knows that he's dead or not. Um, if he's not alive, I feel like her characteristic hope, even for her, may take a pretty big hit being in the Phantom Zone. Um, so I just kind of feel bad for her. Um, I too definitely feel bad for her, and I will be really pissed if Sexy Jason Bear <laughs> dies in a ball of fire without having done anything but be a wet blanket for the entire run of his, like, three episodes or whatever it was. So I uh, definitely agree with that. Also, you were harsh on Alex, and I feel like maybe I'm harsh on Lena, because I was kind of like, okay, Alex, like, you already made it very clear that you cannot breathe without Kara, so I guess I understand your feels. And then by the time that, you know, Lena was like, I must do everything Kara would hate so that she will never forgive me in order to assuage my guilt for the last time that she hated it and would not forgive me. And I was like, that's not how that works, Lena. Are you okay? Obviously, you should not do the very things that Kara would hate in order to save her. So I thought it was just like an insincere buildup to when they had, like, I liked the scene itself when Alex was like, no, you, you know, you have to forgive yourself and you are part of the team and blah, blah, blah. I liked all that. But everything coming up to it just felt like fake. Um, and just this whole, I like what they're trying to do. I like it on paper, but I just feel like in, um, what is the word I'm going for? The opposite of paper. In practice. In practice, <laughs> it seems just kind of like dumb that everyone is being so dramatic about not getting Kara back. Mostly because I know we're going to get Kara back. But I'm also like the Phantom Zone, like again, I said this like every single time, but the Phantoms are coming out of the Phantom Zone. So there's clearly a way out of the Phantom Zone. Just relax and you will figure it out. Instead of being like, well, what if we murder everybody? And then we get Kara back. <laughs> like, it's just these kind of really, really strange uh, leaps of logic that I think that they're making, or that the writers are forcing them to make in order to prove their point. Which is a good point to prove, but I feel like there's probably a better way to do it. And what you said about, you know, the episode's kind of dragging, I think it makes sense that they are because we're not used to seeing such a serialized version of Supergirl. Because, like, Kara can't leave where she is. She's in one spot the whole time because Melissa can't go anywhere. So her plot is the same. And then they don't want, I'm guessing they just don't want to show us a fully functioning team without Supergirl. Because then, when Supergirl comes back, it's going to be like, oh, hello, extraneous member of our party. <laughs> and so instead, it is also, for them, much of the same of, like, what are we going to do without Supergirl? Let's continue attacking this one same problem until we get Supergirl back. Uh, when normally by now, it's what, four episodes? We would have had four distinct villains by now. And instead we have 1.5 if you count Lex being crazy. Um, so, so that I think is probably like the biggest downside of mm -hmm. the season thus far. And I do think that it's paid off in some really nice character moments, some really nice like beats between two different characters. Like last week, we had Marini and Nia really, you know, diving deep on their feelings. And this week, Lena again, because she is the uh, de facto lead. Um, and Alex <laughs> drilling down on their feelings. Plus, we're getting more Magan and John than we've ever gotten in the past. Yeah. So that's also nice. But anyway, point is, it feels a little bit samey because it is. 
So there's no way around it until we get Kara back. Um, but I totally agree with with, uh, with Jess that we need a JV in the Optimism Squad. Like, it doesn't make sense that there's no one else who can be a cheerleader. And you think that Nia, with her powers, you know, with her vision, would have some positive visions <laughs> that would help us. Like, we're probably getting one now. But before that, you're like, you think if anyone is going to be positive, it would be Nia. Because we mm-hmm. know the outcome will be good. And Nia also has brainwaves that should tell her that. <laughs> but oh well. That's fine. Um, yeah, also, I think it would be boring if this was the end of Nixley. But even more so than that, like I already said, bring back sexy Jason Bear. Hashtag sexy Jason Bear back to life. Or whatever the Iron Man one was. I feel like you're the only one in that tag. <laughs> Restore the Jason Bear verse. <laughs> no, but for real, it's because I don't want Kara to be like, I brought, I got my dad, I lost him. And then go back and like maybe talk to her mom and be like, hey, my dad was live. And then he was dead again. Oh, yeah. And then finally, finally, where the fuck is Kelly? Why can we only have, like, why can't we have the full cast? What is happening? You can't pay everybody? Last week we couldn't have Nia. This week we can't have Kelly. Haven't had William for two episodes. Yeah, we haven't had William for two episodes. Poor guy. Poor guy. But, you know, I'm the only one who wants him back. So that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess the three of us could be just like the William cheerleading squad. No one else wants him. (sighs) So, yeah, that's all. Um, yeah that's true (laughs) um i think the serialized way that they're going about things right now um is a little bit frustrating but that's why i'm also annoyed that they might have killed off nixley because it's like she's the only villain that you have right now (laughs) she just revealed herself and then you blew her up she probably yeah i doubt that she's out of it but i don't literally (laughs) they tease that she did um this is more of a oh, prediction. 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 Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I'll predict later too. Um <laughs> so yeah, I, I I don't I'm sort of on the fence about Lena and Alex, really. Um so we're on two extremes and you're in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I didn't mind Lena feeling sort of guilty about Kara because I don't feel like she like to me this is sort of her road to full redemption, I guess, after everything happened last season so i'm fine with like her getting to express her guilt and feeling all this stuff that's going on with Kara. and you know i feel like one talk with her she'll be fine over the next few episodes i do more agree with alex being (laughs) super dramatic (laughs) primarily because like if we're not focusing on alex with kelly for example like they've just moved in you could have had a whole cute episode about you know, them moving in with each other, packing, unpacking stuff and being, you know, coupley. But we'd rather have like Alex only feel things when it comes to Kara. And I don't think that's really fair to any of the other characters. Um, it's just annoying because Alex is just like, Kara, Kara, Kara. And like, that's cool. You're a great big sister, but also back off. <laughs> um, so I feel like, uh, her- like Chloe, Chloe and Hallie Bailey, I don't know siblings that are this attached this is like extreme attachment it's like extreme attachment yeah it's not like a healthy and i think, I think about... the only thing i can say is that it's like alex is like Kara's mom because clearly Kara's mom yeah, is yes, like exactly mom. yeah because <laughs> yeah exactly and that's what that's what it is because i do like the relationship it's just that when they go hardcore on it like that they're doing now it is a little bit more of the whole Alex can't see life without Kara because she's taking Kara 
care of Kara for so long. Care of Kara. Yeah. Um, so, so it just does feel like she is her mom. And that's what, that's where the disconnect sort of is. Um, cause like she's worried about having emptiness syndrome or something. But yeah, so I feel like her energy in general could have been spent on hanging out with Kelly this episode and just making Lena feel better rather than not listening to anyone else beforehand and like you said risking trying to risk mcgon's life and stuff and then turning around and having being the hero being the hero for the like the audacity to like (laughs) 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 the audacity to save the day after you like try to like go off and do your own thing okay (laughs) but uh yeah so those are things i disliked and you know, I don't, I think that the end was fine, you know, as a, oh, I can't believe they just blew up this place. But I also don't like it because we didn't have to do all that if we know that they're going to still be alive somehow. Um, so, yes. Do we have any feedback? We do, we do. That we do. Wow, I really liked this episode. I found myself feeling like it was like it watered my crops and gave me clear <laughs> skin. And then I realized it's because Lex and William weren't in the episode. You see how good the show can get without men we don't need? I absolutely love the interaction between Alex and Lena. There definitely should be more discussion about the past, blah, blah. But Katie and Kyo's chemistry pulled off the script very well. Both of them being teary messes because of Kara. Okay. Death by a thousand guts. <laughs> Um, Lena sacrificed Jack and killed Lex without much of a thought for the greater good. She knows how to make hard, hard calls. But she's not ever willing to lose Kara? Kara making tough calls to save the world but unable to drop Lena and would rather poison National City's waters instead? Ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo! I'm going to clown. <laughs> <laughs> Kara fighting without her powers but still looking like a hot jock? Okay, hot. So, is Nixley? Nix? I'm gonna call her Magic Mills. Is she the big bad of the season? Ooh, I hope so. I hope so. I do hope so, TVH. It would be very interesting to see Kara face up against magic, something she is in canon week against. Zorel is still kind of boring, as most men are. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the Kryptonese crumbs we had. Wish they spoke in their language more, though. Same. You're so right. All right. Swara. Supergirl. Yeah, why does like why is she talking to her dad in English other than the fact that's, that that's we're in America? Yeah, understand, but. right? The only way I would accept this is if they have some sort of device the that just allows it to yes, the TARDIS <laughs> to translate <laughs> every language. <laughs> Supergirl this week was good, but the absence of Kelly is really inexcusable. Thank is this you, Swara. Yes, this is Swara. Oh. It seems like they're interchanging having Kelly or Nira on at a time, right? Yes, yes. Two paychecks. And I recall them doing this before in a number of episodes. Sigh. It and they're doing, and they're like have the same kind of character script mm. in being like counselor to their partner. That's true. That's you're so right. Oh my god. Oh my god. I hate it here. Uh, it seems recently that whenever they do have Kelly, it's mainly her supporting Alex without much story for herself. It's just bad. But I love the Lena Alex scenes. Them bonding over their love for Car is amazing. Lena thinking she didn't have the moral aptitude to do what's right, and Alex convincing her that she did was wonderful. The Nixley twist was good, and it seems like they made a good villain that parallels Kara in a unique way. Kara destroying the portal to prevent her from going to Earth, and the only chance of getting home was an amazing moment. Yes, it was. She'll always sacrifice whatever she can to do the right thing. This definitely isn't the last we've seen of Nix. Oh, thank goodness. I agree. 
a villain that has extreme power and will likely take the whole team and then some to defeat. Very much looking forward to the time travel to Midvale and where the overall story goes. As am I. And then finally, Sonia. I really like this seeing Lena working with the team this episode and her Ghostbusters ripoff phantom catching device. That was so funny. Uh, I should put that in my likes. That was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Brainy being like, I'm a 12th level intellect. I think I could figure out how to use this. LOL. It was really cool to see how even though they saved Magan with that tiny piece of soul from the Martian mind meld, the phantom still had her soul and she was unable to fight the way she wanted to. Lena using the Q-waves to make a device to utilize Nagan's powers was cool, but I almost cried when Alex gave Kara's video to Lena. Same. Same. They couldn't give hairs from Kara's hairbrush? Why was the video the only thing with her DNA? You know what? Shang actually sent us an ask on Tumblr about that exact thing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he says, I wish they would explain it, but I think they had to collect Kara's DNA from when she solar flares because she's Kryptonian and she does not leave dead cells as she goes mm-hmm. along her days on Earth. So in case anyone was wondering why Alex and Lena didn't go after a hairbrush, that's why. <laughs> well, thank you for that explanation. Now we know. Seeing Nia using her powers in so many different ways this episode was awesome. We saw her dream walk along some gone, hold back the Phantom so Alex could destroy the Prime, and then capture Prime so, everyone, so she could save everyone. Like, yes, Queen. <laughs> yes. Poor Kara, that Nixley turned out to be evil. Why does everyone that Kara trusts betray her? And not only was Nixon there, but Kara's dad was too. So did he die in the explosion as well? Which is just so sad for Kara, having to lose her dad twice to something blowing up. <laughs> the same that's way true. too. That sad emoticon really just that sends me. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Makes my day. Okay, he's not going to be dead. It's fine. So it's okay that I'm laughing because he's not. He's alive. Excited to see Midvale next episode as Brainy and Nia go back in time. I wish they could have gone back to the Red Tornado episode so we could see Wynn, James, and Lucy again, but a flashback episode is cool, too. Yeah, I think that was my, like, remaining question, because Shang answered why they needed to go back in time to a solar flare. But then Alex was like, there was two, and one was, like, a couple of years ago, and the other one was in high school. So why are you going back to high school? Right, because <laughs> high school's just better. <laughs> I guess. I don't know if it's like a, you know, one of that time travel theories that you're not allowed to run into yourself, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they thought this would I do be... like that it's Brainy and Nia going, because that's yes. more fun. Yes. yes. <laughs> I like how they're like, we can't be caught. And then immediately, hi. <laughs> What's up? So time travel this season <laughs> yeah. in the Arrowverse. Let's <laughs> do everyone's time traveling. Love that. Predictions? Well, going off of, like, Nixley and, and Sexy Jason Bear, <laughs> can't be dead. <laughs> I think, like, in the middle of it, like, because Kara leaves, obviously. She's, like, running away, and you see Nixley, like, crying or whatever. I think she will, like, snap out of it, like, literally, like, snap her fingers. And I think she will take Kara's dad with her and hold him hostage until Kara finds a way to get them all out together. Like, because like she that. knows now that Kara, like, Kara's going to value her dad over anything. So if you want to save your dad... Find out a way out of here, and you can have him back kind of thing. I support it. Yes. I think the whole thing is in her mind, and she's been phantomed. Um, because <laughs> I, her mind? What was that? Like, who is being phantom, and what is what are they phantomizing? Kara is phantomizing. <laughs> <laughs> because her dad dying is probably a fear of hers, and True. a friend turning on her would also Ooh, be a fear of hers. Interesting. So I would buy that. And and in the episode, 
she mentions like feeling the chill of the phantoms when no one else said anything about the phantoms themselves. Uh, you so. have a good prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is awesome. Me, it's time to shine. It's the blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good prediction, though. I like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that that is what I think. So we shall see. We shall see what we shall see. Alright, Lady with Gumption of the Week. Well, Sophie for Batwoman. Yeah, yeah. definitely Sophie for Batwoman. Um, Black Lightning. Jen for being JJ? Or <laughs> Grace? Because she came, she pulled yep. through in the Ishmael fight. She did. Jake, and Grace she saved the Ishmael fight. Because he was, he was not scared of Anissa, but he was scared of a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, uh, Supergirl, um, I know it's not Alex. <laughs> I would say Mia. Mia for a pure girl. She did. She did a lot. Okay. But I think that the winner would be Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Sophie. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sophie Moore for Lady of Gumption of the Week. So proud of you. Hopefully, we will see much more in the future, and we will be back next week with. Again, three shows until Flash comes back the week after that. So tune in. Oh, and Legends also will be back. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So prepare. Prepare for three-hour shows. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, we will see you next time. Fare thee well, everyone. Bye. Bye.